morning? You guys doing well? That, that was weak. Come on, how are you all doing this morning? You guys doing good? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there. Can we give it up for all the dads that are out there? Man, I, I know that on Father's Day, I appreciate my dad. He contributed to me being here. And so uh, thank you for making that contribution, fathers. And uh, no, we're, we're excited that this is a great day that we get to honor you. And uh, we're, we're in a series today called Hustle and Flow, which by the way, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad that you're with us this morning. Before we kind of dive into this series, uh, inside your worship guys today, if you got a worship guide, kind of raise it up in the air, wave it around like you just don't care. Come on, let's like we're at a concert. Throw your hands in the air, wave it like you just don't care. Yeah, yeah, that all that. So inside your worship guide today is uh, an immeasurably more kind of uh, card and envelope on July 16th. We're going to be having an immeasurably more uh, special offering that's going to be going towards some of our, our project. And uh, next week, everybody say next week. Next week, we got some, some big announcements. We got some dates coming up that we can't wait to share with you. But we're not going to share them with you today. You got to come back next week to hear about what's going on. So it's kind of bait and switch. So I, I'm letting you know there's something off the chain is going to be going on next week with, with what's going on with our facility that's going to be out in Parkland, Florida. And so uh, if you're new to us here, if you're a guest with us, we're one church with multiple locations and we're getting ready to build our first uh, permanent facility out in Parkland, Florida. And so we're excited about that. We're excited about what God is doing in our church. It's, it's an awesome, awesome thing that's happening right now. But today... Uh, we are in this series called Hustle and Flow, and uh, I, I believe that God wants to rock your world today, uh, and, and uh, this series has all been about the book of James. We've been going verse by verse in the book of James. Started a couple of weeks ago. If you've missed any of the weeks, I encourage you to go online, watch it online, go to our app, watch the previous weeks, because because it's been awesome, and today is going to be even better. In fact, today is going to kind of be the punch you in the throat day. This is the, the big overarching theme of James today. And the reason we named this series Hustle and Flow is because James is not just about our expressive faith, not just about what we say in life, but it's also about uh, uh, our active faith, what we do with our life. So hence, it's about our hustle, how hard we're working, and also our flow, what we're saying. And do those two things match up? Do they, do they align themselves? And so today, if you want to open up your Bibles to James chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in your worship guide. All the scripture will be in there. If you don't have that, you can just follow along on the screen. This is what it says in James Chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at, at a, his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And so I, I hope you're, get, you're ready to be challenged today because James kind of throws down big time in this passage of scripture. And I think what James is trying to say to us today is that we are far more educated in life when it comes to God's word than we are obedient to God's word. 
That's basically what he says. He, he, and maybe you've heard me say that before, but he's saying, listen, a lot of us have a lot more revelation than our current level of obedience in life. We, we've received more, we've learned more, and we don't need another sermon. We don't need another podcast. We don't need another Bible study because information without application leads to stagnation in our life. And a lot of us, we've gotten stagnant in our relationship with God because it's kind of like a pool of water. If that water has no flow in and no flow out, all of a sudden stuff starts growing. It starts to become nasty. It starts to have pond scum and mosquitoes grow there and all kinds of craziness. And what happens for a lot of us is we come to church and we consume a lot. We get a lot of information, but if we don't start applying that information to our lives, all of a sudden there's this stagnation in a relationship relationship with God. And so most of us are educated far beyond our level of obedience. And that's exactly what James is saying right here. He's saying, man, we've got to do something with our faith. In fact, if you were to go and do some research, you would find out that there are 823 churches in Broward County. How many of y'all know? That's a lot of churches, 823 churches in Broward County. And listen, we love the local church. Uh, I'm, we need more of local churches in our community. We pray for local churches in our services every single week. Uh, and, and so the problem in our community isn't access to God's word. The problem in our community is the application of God's word. In fact, I have a friend, um, he, in, in the organization that he helps run is a missions organization. We went to Cuba with them late last year, and, uh, but they do a lot of work in the Middle East. They do a lot of work in the communities that are broken and just like uh, where if you are a Christ follower, they will kill you. And so they are smuggling Bibles into these communities through car parts. They're smuggling Bibles into these communities through, through bags of rice. And what happens when they get the Bibles into the community is they will literally rip the Bible apart and hand people pages of it. And the people there are so desperate for the word of God that they'll take that page, they'll look at it, they'll memorize it, they'll meditate on it. And then when they go to play with kids at a playground, what they'll do is they'll start trading pieces of scripture with one another. It's like trading cards for Jesus. And they'll trade scripture because they're so desperate knowing that the very thing that they have in their hands could possibly kill them. And that sounds crazy to us and that should blow our minds because in America, we purchased, in 2016, we purchased 1.5 million Bibles a month. And so we have this epidemic going on where, where we have spiritual obesity happening. Where we're, where we're consuming a ton. It's like we got a Big Mac and we got it supersized. And we have so much access. We have more access to God's word, but we have so little application. We have a knowledge surplus and obedience deficiency. And for a lot of us, we know the word, we've heard the word, we've memorized the word, but yet we have not applied the word of God to our lives. 
And I love the imagery that James uses in this passage of scripture. He says, the word is like a mirror. Now, a lot of us look at the word of God and we think the word of God is more like what this big thing was back in when I was in high school and middle school. There used to be these optical illusion images called magic eyes. Anybody remember magic eyes? Anybody that old? Okay, I've actually got a magic eyes right here. Throw up a magic eyes. I think we got a picture of it, maybe. You lost it. You just totally killed my illustration. Kyle, you're fired, uh, wherever you are. I'm just, just kidding. But basically, this is what happens. These magic eyes, what you do is it would be an image, and as you put the image close to you and you bring it out, all of a sudden there would be an image within the image. You guys remember those things back in the day? And a lot of us, that's how we think God's word is. We think that there is an image within the image. And so we think that God's word is, a, is like this optical illusion and we've got to look deeper past what is just written there in God's word. And if we look deep enough, then all of a sudden there'll be something that will just jump out of scripture that isn't even really there. And so that's why you'll go to a church service and you'll hear a pastor preach on a passage of scripture and he'll start talking about something that isn't even close to being in that scripture. But you're like, man, he must, he must have some deep revelation. There's some death. I've never seen that before. That's because it isn't there. God's word is not an optical illusion. It's a mirror. See, God's word is simple, but not simplistic. God's word is, is, is mysterious, but it's not mystical. It's very, very plain. And so when you go and you look at a mirror, the, the point of a mirror is to accurately reflect what you look like, right? That's why we have mirrors in our house. How many of y'all, before you came to church, looked in the mirror before you came here with a show of hands? Okay, some of you guys that did not raise your hand, you should have looked in the mirror. I'm telling you that right now would have been a good idea. Check yourself out. And so we, 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 we think, man, oh, man. But that isn't very deep, just accurately reflecting what I look like. I don't, I don't want God to do that. I want it to be deep teaching. I hear people say this to me. There'll, there'll be people going, hey, we're gonna go to another church because we want deep teaching. And I'm like, you want deep teaching? Go home and love your spouse. That's deep. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. That's deep. When you get that deep, we'll go to something deeper. But most of us, when we see the homeless guy on the side of the road, we roll up our window and we act like we're on the phone. That ain't love. I just hit a nerve right there, didn't I? Jesus said, care for the least of these. And you're going, I want deep. I love what Mark Twain says. He says, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts of the Bible that I do understand that tell me to do stuff that I don't like. See, I, I love mirrors. Uh, if you were to come over to my house, you would see my house has mirrors all over the place because every time I walk by a mirror, I have to flex a little bit. I'm like, what's up? How you doing there? Man, you looking good. You know, like, I'll talk to myself in the mirror. I'm like, you know, I also, it makes me suck a little things in, you know, some things in, kind of cover up some man boobs. You know, just do those kind of things. Like, the mirror accurately reflects some things in my life. But the problem is, is a lot of us, we don't like what we see in the mirror as we look at it through God's word. And so, why do we ignore what we see in the mirror? 
Why do, we, why do we disregard the reflection that's being peered back at us uh, from becoming a doer of God's word? And I think there's a couple of reasons why we ignore that if you're taking notes. Number one, we become too lazy in life. The reason why we ignore the mirror, why we don't do something about what we see is we become lazy. And so looking in the mirror doesn't make you prettier. It doesn't make you handsomer. It doesn't make you taller. It doesn't do any of those things. All that looking in the mirror does is accurately reflect what is currently in your life. Like I walk in front of the mirror sometimes and I'm like, dang, somebody needs to take care of that. And God's like, that's you. Like somebody else can't take care of you. You got to take care of you. See, because looking in the mirror doesn't change anything. And, and sometimes I've, I've made a false statement here. I, I've, I've said something, and I apologize. I've said this, man, God's word, God's word will change you. Yes and no. God's word will change you when you apply God's word. God's word in and of by itself is just great information. It's the application of God's word that will radically transform your life. The mirror only gives you the context to change your life. See, that's what a mirror does. It gives me an accurate reflection and it goes, oh, you need to change this. You need to change that. You need to make some adjustments here and there. Because if I walk by the mirror and I see some blemishes on my face, and I don't do anything about those. You know what I still have? I have blemishes. What a lady will do in that, in that moment in time is she'll take out some makeup and she'll fix that. Right? Yeah, I heard somebody go, that's right. Better believe it. Why? Because the mirror give, has given you a context and now you can do something about it. And so that's exactly what God's word does is it reflects some things in our life so we can do something about it. Reminds me when I was uh, in, in middle school, my, my stepmom and my dad, uh, they loved to watch infomercials. I don't know what the deal was. And uh, they were watching this infomercial about Jane Fonda workout videos on VHS tapes. That's back in the day right there. VHS tapes, you young people, I mean, you don't even have a clue what that is. And, and so I remember they were like, man, we're gonna, we're gonna change our lives. And I remember they, they, they dialed the rotary phone. It took them three hours to get a call up and they ordered the VHS tapes of Jane Fonda. And, and they're like, man, we're gonna, we're gonna get in shape. It's gonna absolutely change our lives. And I remember I was in my room one night playing some original Nintendo playing some techno bowl and I remember walking out into the living room and I heard the Jane Fonda video you know they're like yeah you know Jane Fonda's kicking got her spandex suit and spandex pants and high socks all that kind of stuff going on and I walk into the living room and my dad is sitting on the couch eating a bowl of ice cream and my stepmom is eating cookies and they're like man this is this is hard work Listen, having workout videos doesn't make you healthy. Doing the workout videos will make you healthy. And I've just found that the word of God doesn't work until you work the word of God. Until you start to apply the word of God in your life. And, and this is what I found. Laziness can be summed up in one word. It's called priorities. What are your priorities? Proverbs 13, 4 says, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. A lot of us have a lot of great desires. It says, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. 
It isn't how much of God's word you know. It's how much of God's word you do. You can be, you can be so full of information, but until you become diligent in applying that information, it doesn't change us at all. And so some of us, the reason we're not, we're not doing anything about what we see in the mirror is we're just too lazy. Number two, if you're taking notes, some of us, we're just too busy. We just become too busy in life. And I believe that one of the greatest challenges to our faith today uh, is we mistakenly assume that information automatically equals transformation. If I have more information, then that is going to transform me. But just having truth doesn't mean that truth is being applied in your life. And so we have more access to great information today than we've ever had in our lives. I mean, there's more Bible studies and curriculum out there than we've ever seen. We have uh, the best pastors available to us on podcasts and iTunes and, and, and over YouTube and Vimeo than we've ever had and through Instagram and Snapchat. And, and there's more in-depth engaging Bible studies on the shelves of every Walmart in America than we've ever had. So what's the problem? Because information doesn't seem like it's the problem. But James says in verse 25, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what, we have, what he does. And so what that means is we've got to find a way to transfer all this information into application. We've got to find a way to not just consume more information, but actually apply that information. And I love the way that James says this. He says to look intently into. If you were to look up the actual Greek of what that means, it means to stoop down in order to have a close look. He says if you're going to look intently into something, then you've got to stoop down to look at it. And so this is my two cents. In order to stoop down to look at something, You've got to slow down in life. You've got to slow down your life in order to look down and get into the depth of what God wants to speak to you so that you can apply it to your life. And if you start to slow down, you'll start to see that transformation will start to f follow you slowing down. I, I read this by this author, uh, Edward Hollowell. He's an author of a book, Crazy Busy, Overstretched, Overbooked, and About to Snap. And he talks about how he went to the dark side of Crazy Busy. He says he was on vacation in the woods of North Carolina, and his cell phone was not working within the cabin. And so he had to literally go to a rotary phone, and he started dialing on the phone. And because it was taking so long, he took the phone off the wall and threw it across the room because he was so angry that it was taking so long. And all of a sudden, he had this epiphany, like, like, why am I so angry? And he timed how long it took him to dial a phone number, and it took 11 seconds. And this is what he says. He says, he says, what a fool I'd become. I had become a man in a hurry even when I had no need to hurry. So many of us, we're in a hurry when we have no need to hurry. And he says, later on in the book, he says, it's the desire for control of our lives that has caused us to lose control. He says it like this. You can feel like a tin can surrounded by a circle of 
a hundred powerful magnets. Many people are excessively busy because they allow themselves to respond to every magnet, tracking too much data, processing too much information, answering too many people, taking on way too many tasks, all in the sense that this is the way they must live in order to keep up and stay in control, but it's the magnets that have control. And I've found that in my life that being busy is often an excuse for me not doing the things that I should be doing in life. And so a lot of us, the reason why we don't change when we look in the mirror is because we're too lazy or we're too busy. But some of us, it's just because, number three, we're just too afraid. We're just too afraid. We're scared and and we're fearful of life. And it actually kind of reminds me of this mom that was uh, putting her son to bed one, late one summer evening as thunderstorms were rolling in and as she was tucking her son into bed and giving him his last hugs. And uh, the son said, Mom, it, it's kind of scary tonight. Could, could you stay with me? Would you sleep in here with me? And the mom looked and, and lovingly said, Oh, honey, I would love to stay in here with you, but I've got to sleep in daddy's room tonight. After a little bit of silence... The little boy boarded out, the big sissy. <laughs> well, that actually worked in this service. It, it, it crashed and burned last service. So, uh, <laughs> fear is a terrible thing. Proverbs actually tells us the fear of man is a snare. It's not just the fear of man. Any fear in our life, it traps us. I mean, that's the goal of fear. It wants to steal your joy. It wants to take your courage. It wants to leave you cold, naked, and trembling in life. The goal of fear is to make it so that you don't make the journey up the hill of this thing called your life to the summit of it. And it will do anything it can do to make sure that you live a life down in the plains and in the valleys where it's just a dull, drab existence because you are afraid to go up the mountain. And so the question is, is how do we get past our laziness? How do we get past the fears that are so prevalent? How do we, how do we slow down the busyness of our lives? How do we truly become a doer of God's word? Three simple, practical things, if you're taking notes. Number one is, is we've got to create time. If, if we're going to become a doer of God's word, we've got to create time in our life. You know, we've talked about this a lot at Coastal. It's the big rocks first mentality. Listen, there's so many things that are competing for your time. And if you'll let the little things get put into your life first, it will eliminate the big things. And so what that means is, is that the majority of us live by a schedule and we have things and places we have to be at. And so one of the decisions that I've made is, man, I'm just gonna schedule the important things in my life first and then I'm gonna fit everything else around it. And so if you and I, if we wanna become a doer of God's word, we've gotta create time to get in God's word, to learn what he wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. 
And so that means we got to create a schedule for it. And so in my schedule, I create time with God. I create time with Shayla because that's a big rock for me. I create time for work because I, I'm part. that's partly what I do. I, I live by a schedule of I go to bed by a certain time every single night because I wake up at the crack of dawn in order to spend time with God. So all of those things go in first before any relationships get scheduled, before any tasks get scheduled. Those are the most important things to me. Because there is a correlation between what's important and what gets done in my life. In fact, Jesus talks about this very same principle that James says. In fact, you can see a correlation between what James says and what Jesus says. So you, all of a sudden you start to realize James got his info from his half-brother Jesus. This is what it says in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. In other words, it says, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of God's word. That's what Jesus is saying. Will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, in this story, Jesus tells, he says, listen, both people heard. Both people had enough information. So what was the difference between the two? One of them took the easy path and one of them took the more difficult path. See, following God isn't always the easy decision. See, we like to choose the easy path because we think it's gonna circumvent some difficulties. The problem with the easy path is the easy path never develops the character necessary to go through the difficult thing so you're standing on the other side. And see, the reason God says, hey, don't just be a hearer of my word, but be a doer of it is because when you don't apply it to your life and the winds come and the storms come, your life will get jacked up because you have no foundation to build upon. But if you'll take the time and create time to build a foundation, when the, when the trials of life come, they won't overtake you. You'll actually stand through them. Because I've found that doing the easy thing takes the least amount of time. Doing the hard things always takes a little bit longer. And I've found that nothing of value usually comes easy. Nothing that lasts comes easy. In fact, I found this statement. It says, what we obtain cheaply, we abstain quickly. See, if it doesn't cost us enough, man, we're quick to disregard it. And that's why he says, man, we gotta take the time to build the foundation. And so what does that mean? That means you and I, we've got to create some time in our schedules in order to do that. Number two, if you're taking notes, we've got to pick one thing. I just learned in life, you can't do everything, but you can pick one thing. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. See, what I found is, 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 is if you start looking at God's word, it can feel like, man, this is overwhelming because there's a lot of instructions in here for your life. But this is what I know is when I'm putting something together, when I get a, a piece of furniture from Ikea, I don't just start putting it together. I go to the instruction manual and I don't go to step 10, I go to step one. And I do step one right before I ever move to step two. And so what he's saying is, is he's saying, listen, don't try to do everything all at once. Pick one thing. 
and be diligent at that one thing. It reminds me of when I was going to Bible college. Shayla and I were, were going to this school called Rama in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And every single day we had chapel. And at first I was excited about chapel. We're learning all this stuff. But after a while it became overwhelming because I was like, man, I need to change this about my life. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. And I was just overwhelmed to the point where I started doing nothing. And I started becoming apathetic. And I remember sitting in chapel one day and, and realizing that, man, I can't do all this stuff, but you know what I can do? Is I can ask God to show me one thing I can do this week. That if I'll start applying that, and so every chapel, I would get really excited about, God, what are you gonna speak to me? And he would show me something, and I would say, you know what, for this week, I'm gonna apply this principle to my life. And I'm gonna apply it over and over again. I can't do everything that the speakers are telling me, but I can do one thing. And I'm gonna be obedient to that one thing and I'm gonna become a doer of God's word in that one thing. And while that excited me, it also scared me because I realized that as I started understanding what God was saying, there was a responsibility that came with the information that I acquired. See, Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48. He says, the servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving a stripe shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. To whom much has been committed, of him they will ask for more. And so what Jesus is setting us up for is he's saying, listen, when you've gotten the information, now there's a responsibility to apply that information. It's kind of like Spider-Man's uncle that said, "To, to whom much is given great power requires much responsibility, right? He stole that from Jesus. Like he was just quoting a biblical principle because Jesus is saying, hey, listen, when you've been given the responsibility of knowing what's right, there is a responsibility. You've got that information of knowing what's right. Now there's a responsibility for you to do that. That's why James says, don't deceive yourselves. Don't get in this mindset that it doesn't matter that I just have a whole bunch of information. No, 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 no. It matters. And a lot of us have gotten so much information that we've become inoculated. Kind of like when you go and you get a shot to fend off the disease that'll come that way. We, we've gotten enough of Jesus that we're inoculated to where we'll fend off actually doing what he wants us to do. And James right here is saying, man, no, 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 don't do that. Pick one thing because we're blessed based on what we do, not what we know. See, we gotta put God's word into practice in our lives. And number three, we gotta keep the main thing, the main thing. The Bible tells us the word became flesh, literally meaning that that Jesus was the word and he became flesh. And so we've gotta keep Jesus the main thing. And so one of the things that I do to help me do that personally, and I'm just sharing with you my, my own thing is, is I ask myself this question every single day. Are the decisions that I'm making today taking me closer to Jesus or further away? See, I learned a long time ago, there's uh, this pastor named Andy Stanley, and he, he, he said this quote, and it's, it's impacted everything I do. It says, direction, not intention, determines destination. And a lot of us have great intentions of following Jesus. And, and if we were to have a conversation, you would say, man, I, I intended to trust God. I intended to do his word, but it's, it's not our intentions that take us places. It's our direction. It's the decisions that we make that determine our direction in life. And so every day we need to ask ourselves, what decisions am I making 
that are taking me closer and closer to Jesus. Because the goal of us looking intently into the mirror is, is that when we look in the mirror, our reflection should be more and more looking like Jesus on a daily basis. So that when we go out into this world that is lost and broken and hurting, that they don't just see us, but they see God through our lives. Because as we're going through and we've been making time, we're going, oh man, there's, there's a course correction I need to make here. I need to start applying this to my life. And all of a sudden, that anger that we had starts to turn to joy. And instead of seeing an angry person walking up to them, they see somebody smiling. They're like, man, what's going on with their life? What's that charisma about them? It's not charisma, it's the joy of the Lord that's their strength. They're starting to play out and there's, a, there's this attraction to them. See, that's why James says, if you'll do these things, you'll be blessed. And we think that being blessed is, is I'm gonna give Bentley with 22s, I'm gonna leave out on the ocean, I'm gonna have a wad of cash that I can shoot out of a cash gun wherever I want. But you know what the greatest blessing is? The greatest blessing is, is when you encounter people they don't see you, but they see Jesus. You wanna talk about being a blessing. You wanna talk about being blessed. Man, that's a blessing. And so my challenge for us, Coastal, is let's not just be here, come here every week and consume calories from God's word, because it's really easy to do, and get obese on the word of God. But let's start applying the word of God in our lives, putting some action, putting some hustle to it. And watch the changes take place in our lives.